Planting. Canary, P-I-N. The Black Lotus, a Mulgrave. A J. Henry production. When you got to stop and you got no pop, count on Shafa's brake pads. Now with complimentary gift. Fuzzy dice. Fun fun. wind groans through my tilted blinds like a widow's lament. The polluted air is welcomed in this stale sarcophagi of an office. Through the slats you can see the bustle of the streets below. Darkened clouds hang over my city like a blanket of vague dread. Like if you can't remember if you left the stove on or not. It's ugly out there. Ugly in here too. A nested pigeon flutters on a rusty fire escape next door. This is a harsh town. Good luck. Canary. Uh, I have your mother on the line? I told her not to call me hit. All right, patch her through. Raynor Preston. It's been two weeks since you called me. Your father has the worst case of lumbago I have ever seen. The bathroom sink won't stop dripping, and our upstairs neighbors are doing the Lindy Hop 24-7. Sorry to hear it, Ma. When are you gonna settle down with a nice girl? Come on. You're an eligible bachelor, self-employed, thriving business. Working on it, Ma. You're not getting any younger, and I want grandkids. Look, I'm working here, Ma. Oh, sure. Mr. Important can't give his mother five minutes of his time. Reminds me of the time when Aunt Ruby's wick caught fire at the eggnog social. You see, what happened was that- I'll call you next week, Ma. Bye, honey. Baby boy. Oh, make sure you're eating. Yeah, I'm working on it all right. A string of failed relationships. There's only so many times a lady will be stood up because of the choice of your vocation. Late nights ankle deep in fish guts at a siding factory because someone Allegedly slipped into the vat. They want to know about your day. Half the time you can't tell them for their own protection. Sometimes the details are just too ugly. I don't even want to repeat them. Not to mention how dangerous my line of work is. I can't tell you how many cranium-bound blackjacks I've had to dodge or an errant stiletto from a ballroom brute. Or even worse, bullet hell from Sammy the Nose Hoffa. One of those did hit. All close calls. Anything can happen at any time. I'm not a safe bet. How could I ever take a partner if I can go at any time? I can't put anyone through that. A doghouse and a picket fence just aren't in the cards for me. RP, there's a tattooed lady from the circus here to see ya. Naturally. Send her in. The doorknob turns and in comes a slender, kinda tall woman. Confidence in her strut. Tight curls in her shoulder-length hair. She held out her hand, the head of an Asian dragon scribed into her flesh, its body twisting and turning up the length of her arm. Sally Sutcliffe's the name, and oddities are my game. Not only do I run a curiosity tent, I'm also the lead performer. Take a seat and tell me what vexes you. Everything peachy. Ain't no vex on these decks. Well, good. There's the door. Thanks for visiting. Ah, yes. I heard you can be ornery. 
I also heard you're pretty nifty with a six-shooter. What's the job, Sal? I'm always on the lookout for talent. Our clients jump in and out of business all of the time. Sometimes we travel to a new city they decide to settle down in. Sometimes we lose them to their afflictions, which is very sad. Me? I'm a lifer. I love what I do. Cigarette? No, I only smoke Chesterfields. We always put the word out that we're looking to employ. You would be amazed at how many unsavory hucksters this can attract. No, I wouldn't. I need someone I can trust to protect me. The carny world is filled with grievous hoodlums, giving us law abiders a bad name. Most of us just want to make an honest living like anyone else. All you would need to do is sit in the corner and look pretty. Make sure nothing goes south. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I'll take the job, but we do it here in the office. On my turf. I'll be here tomorrow at the crack of 11 a.m. with the riffraff. Talk to my secretary for the invoice. She nods and walks out of my office. Sounds like a routine bodyguard job. Done my fair share of them. Never worked with Connie's before, though. Connie's and Canary together at last. I don't mind if she has me pegged as a rube as long as the money is green and no one gets height. Noon the next day. She's an hour late. Maybe I've been stood up like a chase prom date on a Sunday. Spent the morning tidying up the office. The plan is she's gonna sit behind my desk while she interviews her cavalcade of disparate misfits. I'm gonna sit in the corner reading my newspaper, unassuming but ready to strike if need be. Strategically next to that sawed off onto the loose floorboard. I highly doubt anything will happen that my trusty 38 can't handle. A commotion erupts in my small lobby outside my office. It looks like the freak show is here. Hey, hey, now look everybody. We don't have enough room for you all. So this half is gonna have to come back in a couple hours. Try Leo's down the block corned beef that'll knock your socks off. I wave my secretary off to let her know that she can have the rest of the day off. She opens her purse to reveal a small derringer that can fit in the palm of your hand. She winks and goes back to typing. I call Sally in alone and sit her behind my desk. Now don't move the ashtray, I got it just where I like it. Do your thing, Canary's got your back. Oh, you talking the third person. That's precious. I crack a sarcastic smile and get settled in with my paper. Whoever's first, make a bin now. In comes a greasy-haired fella carrying a dummy. We don't normally hire ventriloquists, but give us your pitch. Hello, my name is Edward, and here's my friend Bobo, the idiot dummy boy. <laughs> oh, brother. We got your information. Next. This is going to be a long day. A seemingly endless line of sword swallows, jugglers, geeks, magicians, and dancers. Most of their routines stunk like yesterday's catch. We've been in this for hours. What do you say about calling it a day, eh, Canary? It's your gig, your dime. I'm good for one more. Next. The rest of you lot, go home. I think we got what we need. Try again next time we're in town. In walks a hulk of a man, shaved and groomed impeccably. You just try something there, barbells. A swift braining and a stub nose pressed into your gut is the great equalizer. Lucky you. You're the last of the day. Good day, ma'am. I'm here for a job with your entertainment outfit. Take a seat, muscles. Just so you know, 
We already have a strong man. I'm not here for that position. I'm what they call a lycanthrope. I've been accused of being a misanthrope. What exactly is the lycan variety? Shush. We also already have a wolf boy who suffers from trichosis. I'm a real werewolf. Oh, crime in Sicily. My tale is tragic. Long and storied. Well, you better get yapping. It's getting late. I come from a place far from here. Somewhere in, let's say, Europe. The old country. But your accent, you sound native to this city. I've had a long time to adapt. I settled here about 60 years ago. You don't look a day over 30. My condition seems to have gotten me long life. I'm not immortal, I don't think so. I am aging. Just at a diminished rate. Listening to this, I wish they could see me roll my eyes behind my paper. Better send your secretary home and order some food. This has piqued my interest. The old country was beautiful. Green and lush in spring and summer. Mild falls. In winter, the snow-capped hills lined the horizon. Beautiful land. I was an average boy. An only child. Did okay in school, but never excelled at anything, except baling hay. I was to become a farmer like my father. I looked up to him, and I felt at home on the farm. People sometimes fight their destiny, but I was happy where I was, and where I was going. When I met Leilani, she came right up to me, and we talked like we were long-lost friends. Red flowing hair that would put the seventh circle of hell to shame. An eye so blue you need a life raft to find yourself out of them. At twenty we were set to be married. I couldn't believe she was to be mine. To be each other's. She sounds like a special woman. I was set to leave the farm and give my father some more time to enjoy life while he was still relatively young. My mother died giving birth to me. And he vowed he'd never take another woman's hand. And I kept at him since he was so lonely. He was coming around to the idea of having another companion. Food's here. Much obliged. Our main crop was wheat, but we had all kinds. Corn, barley, and this right eye plant called Fritikaili. It started when I was a boy. We would hear things deep in the wheat fields. Every year. You could set your calendar to it. A violent symphony of guttural screams. Not of man or any beast ever. We would dare not go in under the dark suffocation of night. The next morning we'd find animals, or what used to be, circles stamped out in the fields, checkered with flesh and fur, bones snapped like toothpicks. It was not out of the ordinary to find a crushed animal skull, deer, even bear, fresh, victims of some ravenous entity. It liked to hunt, the bigger, the better. I wouldn't call my father devout. Especially after Mother had passed. But he was convinced dark forces were at play. He kept it a secret shame. I don't know why. I stuck my chopsticks into my food. Bear brain tartare made me lose my appetite. My father had enough of it. He claimed he wouldn't let the sanctity of his home be spoiled. He was older but strong from a lifetime of manual labor. He lit a torch and took a huge hand axe and told me not to follow him, no matter what I heard. I tried to talk him out of it, but into the field it disappeared. No crickets. No rustling stalks. No more hell screams in the distance. 
It was as if nature itself was holding its breath in anticipation. It was the longest 30 minutes of my life. You wouldn't catch me in that field even if the Florentine diamond was buried in there. The wheat parted and he emerged, battered and bloodied, but very much alive. He told me he had seen a demon in the field that night. The crop, their Colosseum. It grabbed its torch from behind, flame first, was not faced by the extinguishing flame against its woolly flesh, before the smell of burnt hair registered in my father's nostrils. It stood before him, was as big as a bear on hind legs, angry as one too. By the light of the full moon, its eyes glowed a sickly yellow. I peeked out of the side of my newspaper. This guy might be a number one candidate for the funny farm, but he sure tells a captivating story. He should work for the pictures, or tell drama stories on the radio. He raised his curled claws up into the sky and came down swiftly, slashing my father, leaving zigzag gashes across his chest. It was on, for as big as it was, it was graceful in the darkness. The only sounds that registered for my father were those of his own heavy breaths. He wrestled with this beast twice his size, but he was putting up a fight. It was a pace he knew he couldn't keep up. What a lucky opening. The moon glinted off his hatchet as he swung, and he sank his axe right into the meat of the beast's thigh. But by the stream of blood, he knew he'd opened up a major artery. A wound the beast surely wouldn't survive. It was the only time he heard it make a noise. Sally looked on enthralled, completely lost in a story. Frothy teeth sank square into my father's shoulder. It pulled the axe out of the beast's leg like some kind of macabre King Arthur. And all he could remember was failing with everything he had left. The beast lay lifeless in the crumpled weed, and my father retreated. I dressed my father's wounds and put him to bed. I tossed and turned all night, afraid the demon would come back to finish the job. My father slept until late afternoon. Unprecedented. But he finally awoke. I pressed him about going out into the field. I wanted to see it. I wanted to know it was dead. He knew I wasn't going to relent, so he insisted he go with me. There was certainly a fight in the field that night. It looked like a murder scene, but there was no corpse. A deadly dance of ghoulish footprints was found in the dewy earth. I could trace it coming in, but where did it go? Just let me catch my breath. This is some story. Okay, continue. The next couple of years were mostly uneventful. Nothing stirred in the fields except what we planted. I noticed some changes in my father. His shoulders widened. His salt and pepper darkened. He had a youthful glow about him, but he was still himself by all accounts. He was happier than I've seen him in a long time, and he started seeing a lovely woman from town. I was twenty now. I'd become a man in my own right. I was set to marry Leilani, and my father wasn't going to be alone anymore. Tell me about her. What was she like? She was beautiful as I'd ever seen. Voluptuous and passionate. We tried to wait for marriage, but it was a fool's errand. When we made love, it was as if 
our spirits danced with and through each other above us. She wanted a large family, and we were going to make that a reality. Anything from a flower. Leilani. She was so smart and talented. Took to anything when she put her mind to it. She'd become a schoolteacher, which made sense. Patience was something that came naturally to her. She was able to tame the most troubled youth. Not only was she loved by me, but also by her students and all of the community. Oh, please tell me you married Leilani. In the week leading up to our wedding, she was radiant. Everything was falling into place, and I was the happiest I'd ever been. We had agreed not to see each other a week before we walked down the aisle. The day before we were to be wed, I was working the farm with my father. He was feeling under the weather, so I told him to go to the house and rest. I'd finish up. I was confused at first, like a phantom sound that I hadn't heard in a lifetime. But it had only been a few years. It was the screams I used to hear deep in the wheat fields. This close, it sounded more like a howl. I grabbed my pitchfork and ran towards the house. There lay Leilani on the front porch. Body lifeless. A basket of food spilled around her. She couldn't wait to see me any longer. I'd come to surprise me with supper. But she was just unconscious. Right? I heard glass breaking and rummaging through the house. With pitchfork in hand, I ran in towards the sound. The demon my father spoke of had returned. It stood eight feet tall on its digitigrade legs. An unholy visage of a bipedal wolf. It had killed my bride-to-be. Needless to say, I saw it. I dropped the pitchfork and lunged on top of the beast. I choked at the life out of it with my bare hands as it gnashed its frothing maw at my face. I watched its eyes go glassy and it found its body go limp. I got up to run to Leilani, but it wasn't over yet. The wolf and beast shot back to life and lashed its steel-trapped jaws onto my arm. He pointed to his arm where a faded scar was. Could have been anything. I was able to reach the pitchfork and I speared it in the face, handle side first, stunning it. I flipped it around and plunged its tines square into its heart slowly, reveling in its suffering. I watched in horror as this wolf and demon metamorphosed in front of my eyes into the corpse. Of my father. I ran to my Leilani. Next nap. There was nothing that could be done. Sally looked on with tear in her eyes, trying to choke out words but was unable. My father had just killed Leilani. And I had just killed my father. No one would believe what happened here. I placed sheets over their remains. Not affording myself a moment to grieve, I quickly packed a bag and I ran. You poor man. My father must have snuck back into the field after his grisly showdown, carried the human corpse off the scene, 
buried it and covered his tracks. That's why I didn't find anything. How could he explain it to anyone? Here, Sal. Take the hanky. It's clean. My suspicion that this affliction had been passed to me was confirmed in the coming months. Despite living hand to mouth on the road, my muscle mass seemed to have doubled. I was able to survive as a day laborer in whatever town I roamed into. Was no problem getting hired for a big guy like me. There's nothing magical about my sickness. I believe it to be very much biological. It's not like what you read in scary stories. Full moon has nothing to do with it. Silver. He holds up his ring and the pointer finger. This was to be my wedding ring. No effect. There seems to be an incubation period, which fooled us into a false sense of security. After it's taken hold, I suspect there is a hormone that builds up in your body. It takes about a year to trigger a flare-up. My best guess. This isn't something they write about in medical books. I have become attuned to when the change is coming on, and plan accordingly. I'm able to live a relatively normal life without murder. This year, I turned 120. Any legal case would be long shut by now. I am ready to go back and face my tragedies. Back to the only place I was happy. Back to Mulgrave. A hundred years ago and across the drink? Yeah, that's out of my jurisdiction. You are hired. If I'm any indication, this story will have our patrons bawling their eyes out and dropping nickels like they're at a Johnny Cake smorgasbord. You can start tomorrow. She stood and walked around the desk and embraced him. Her flowing blouse dropped from her shoulder to reveal a crude lotus tattoo in black ink. I hate to break up this warm moment, but it's late. I'm out of cigarettes. Good night and happy new year. I look out the window at the emptiness and the fire escape across the way. I watched over the past few months as the pigeon prodigy went from egg to squab to adult and flew off to the big rock candy mountain. I got a postcard today. It seemed that Sal and our mystery man eloped. Took off on a steamship. One quack after another. As long as the check clears. Hey, if these two unique personalities can find happiness and strength in each other in these unlikely circumstances, there's hope for us yet. Voice acted by In Order of Appearance J. Henry as Canary P.I. Jenny Dyer as Canary's mother. Marie G. as Sally Sutcliffe. George T. as Mystery Man. Written, directed, and edited by J. Henry. Music by Pedro Sparza, Kevin McLeod, and Vivek Abhishek. Further information in details below. Visit our website at rpcanary.car.co. That's C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. This concludes the broadcast.